Hey there, and welcome to our podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Now, before we begin, we want to remind you to please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at our church. Thanks again for joining us, and now, enjoy the episode. Luke chapter 4 and verse 14. Give you just a moment to find your place. Luke chapter 4 and verse 14 through 20 is where we're going to be reading today. Thinking about Independence Day, of course, the 4th of July being tomorrow. Just looking through several passages that deals with liberty and as just trying to pray and get God's mind on what to preach today. Uh, something else I'm praying about, you know, maybe three or four of the messages may come out of this, not this particular text, but this thought of freedom and liberty, maybe a, a short series, but we'll continue to pray about that. But I'm excited to preach about liberty. Amen? I mean, that's why we're here, right? Liberty, the soul liberty through, through Christ. And so Luke chapter 4 and verse 14 And we'll read through verse 20, pray, ask God's blessings, and then dig right in. All right? God's Word says this, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. Uh, And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And stood up for to read. And there, was a, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, or as we would know as Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath, he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at, you say the next word, liberty. It's to set at liberty them that are bruised. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. Let's pray. Father, what a beautiful passage of scripture. Um... Actually, a scripture within scripture, read from the very uh, tongue of our Savior. And I pray this morning that we will allow our hearts to be filled up with joy today because of this beautiful text that's before us. Um, I pray, Father, that we would remove uh, any to-do list that's on our minds right now, Um, anything on our schedule this week, um, any kind of malice or hatred or anything, Father, that's trying to fill our hearts up already. I pray that we'll just dump it all out right now in this prayer and that we'll leave our hearts ready to be filled up by you. And I pray today, Lord, that if anyone that is here is not sure of salvation or they can never remember a time where they have believed from their heart and confessed with their mouth, Christ alone is Savior and Lord, If they can never remember that moment in their life, help them to know that they're still lost and undone, dead in their sins, sitting in darkness. 
But Christ has provided life, true life, forever life, eternal. And I pray even right now, if you're, if you're dealing with them, Lord, I pray right now they would just cry out from their heart, confessing a believing faith alone in Christ alone. And every believer today, I pray they'll be renewed in their joy of their salvation and the great liberty that was given to them by the volition of God Himself. Thank you, Father, for freedom. We praise you for it. Help me to disappear this morning that each one would just hear your voice and not mine. I pray all this in Christ's name and all of God's people said, Amen. Um, question is, uh, the title is in the form of a question. Can Jesus free me? I think that's probably the most, that's a very important question. Is he who I should look to for freedom? And I'll just go ahead and give you a spoiler alert. Yes, he can. Any, any witnesses in the house this morning? Yeah, he can free me. And I can say yes because I know I've experienced that uh, through Christ. Can Jesus free me? This is a question that's been asked by the heart of man for centuries. They begin to examine their, the filth of their life, regrets of their life, the sin of their life, and the sin currently right now. I'm going to ask the question, how in the world... Can Jesus save me? Can he? Well, he most certainly can. We want to spend our time this morning in a text telling you about the one who can. And his name is Jesus. And this text really reveals the character of Christ. All right? And so we're going to spend most of our time unpacking verses 18 and 19. But stepping back in history for just a second, there was a guy by the name of Patrick Henry. You probably know the quote that I'm getting ready to say, if you know your history at all, a little bit of history. Give me liberty or give me death. It was a guy that truly loved liberty. He knew what it was like for people not to have the liberty that they now, as of course they did experience. And this nation was born by the sovereignty of God. He brought it into existence and I'm thankful for it. Amen? It's by his own, own hand that it's still here. Thank God for America. Thank God for the USA. I'm, I'm proud to be an American. I truly am. And I'm thankful for the freedoms that we have. I mean, you can't, I mean people have shed their blood. Um, even today, even officers are trying to protect. Uh, even people give their life. Even those in the military willingly to give their life. We have veterans sitting in the pew that were willing to give that price if it was called on them to do so. I'm thankful for liberty. Amen. That word liberty you find in this text is talking about freedom. Now, as great of uh, the liberty that we have in this land that's been given to us, liberty was not free, blood was shed. I don't want to diminish that. But I want to bring to your attention a liberty that is greater than the liberty of property. A liberty of just on this earth. I, I want to present to you a liberty that is purposed for your soul. And that is the greatest liberty you can ever have, is the liberation of your soul. Can I get a witness on that? There's no greater liberty than that. We live in the land of the free. But in this free land, your soul needs liberty. There's not a president, there's not a soldier, there's not a mom or dad or congressman or politician or senator that can give you, there's not a law that can be passed that can give you that liberty. There is one person 
that can give you that liberty that you desperately need if you've not received it already. And church, can you let everybody know who he is? Jesus Christ. Now, here in this time, these people, they were looking for a Messiah, but they were under Roman rule, and they were thinking the Messiah would come and liberate them in the sense of land and, and, and take them out from the thumb of the Romans. And that's what they were looking toward. And that would be a great freedom. That is true. But the Messiah was concerned about setting the souls of people free, not the land of the people, but the souls of the people. That was the Messiah's concerned the freedom that mattered to Jesus was the freedom of your soul and Jesus plainly said um, that if you are free and to be free indeed is to receive a freedom that can only come from Jesus Christ and you can go and read in John 8 36 and you know the Bible also says that uh, where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty Amen. I meant to show a video, and I got ahead of myself, but uh, we're going to keep going forward, just emphasizing, and it ended with that verse, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And when someone trusts Christ, the Spirit of the Lord dwells in them, and where the Spirit is, there's freedom. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? I want to talk about Jesus. I've got nothing else to say other than talk about Jesus today, and... Um, Unpack verses 18 and verse 19. Now, Jesus came for being tempted. Right? These verses in verse chapter 4. And he conquered Satan through the power of God's word. And now he go, he's going to church. Can I give you just a side note here? He was faithful to go. I'll let you do what you want to with that. But he was faithful to go at the time that was appointed to go in that time. To, to hear the reading of scriptures and to worship Yahweh. To worship the Father. And so he was there. And they gave him the book of Isaiah, and you're going to find he turned specifically to a particular text. And that's where we find quoted in verse 18 and verse 19. Now I want to begin, if, if we're going to talk about Jesus, his saving grace, we, we need to ask this question. Is Jesus even qualified to save us? If someone's going to do a task, do a job, and provide something, the person needs to have qualifications, does he not? If you've got someone going to do open heart surgery on you, you want to know that there is some authority behind them to do that. They, they have the credentials, right? They're fit for the task. Someone's going to do brain surgery. Yeah, I, I want to know that they're qualified. Even more importantly than anything about your body, there's a soul that's within you, and there's someone qualified to free your soul today. And his name's Jesus. Look at the text. Jesus says in verse 18, as he read this scripture, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And I'm going to just say this. The very fact that he turned to this particular scripture, he did it himself, humbles me. Because what Christ was wanting to do is this. He wants all of them and us to know today his character. Who he is, what he come to do, his qualification as Christ. He could have turned to any other passage, but he turned to this and he read it. He is not a Savior who hides who he is. Amen? He is a Savior says, here I am. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And he did not hide that. And he specifically didn't hide it by reading this, this text. 
He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. You know what that's saying? Here's why I get excited about that. All the gifts and graces of God were given to Christ, were on Christ. Folks, I'm telling you right now, this soul needed all the grace of God, and he still needs all the graces of God. I need all the abilities of Jesus on my life. I need him. That's the same. He was qualified because he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I remember when he was baptized by John the Baptist, we know the Spirit of the Lord descended in the eyes of a dove and lit on him. And the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. You see those moments of anointing, of approval, of being sent out. Christ's qualification came from the Father. He sent him before the foundation of the world. I need his endless grace. And it takes me to John chapter 3 and verse 34. For he whom God hath sent, speaking the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. In other words, saying Christ didn't come with just, just a certain amount of grace, just, just to you know, halfway do the job. He was given unlimited ability. He rested his abilities upon the Father through the Spirit. That's how he lived in his ministry. He operated under the abilities of his Father. And he is given unmeasurable grace. Boy, it would be a, it'd be a, it'd be a terrible thing that God was dealing with you for a while. And he was still dealing with you, but you woke up. God's dealing with you, but when you, you were getting ready to trust Christ. And whoop, ran out of grace today. Wouldn't it be a terrible thing for the Savior to run out of grace? But it's impossible. He is the God of all grace. Jesus is qualified. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him. And um, look at verse 14. And Jesus returned in what? In the power of the Spirit into Galilee. Jesus Christ is the only one that has the power to save the soul. And he was there that day and he's available even today for us. You go on, it says that he was upon him. Notice this. Because he hath anointed me to preach the what? The gospel. The gospel to the poor. And we'll unpack that in just a second. But I want you to see, it says, because he hath anointed me. My Savior is fit for the task. He came evangelizing. God appointed him. The only one that could be fit to save the soul was one who was appointed and anointed by the Father. It breaks my heart many times how there's, in, in denominationalism, there's a lot of gospels out there. There's, there, there's a lot of mixture of, of gospel, if you will. There's only one true gospel, but there's, a, there's hybrids out there that, that people will claim that good works is, has been anointed by God to bring salvation. The good works plus Christ. Or, or baptism has been anointed by God to, to rebirth the soul, to redeem the soul. That plus Christ. Or it's the sacraments of the Catholic Church or it's other things that works with Christ, that's been anointed. But can I tell you something? I see nothing else and no one else added to who is anointed and who is appointed. There's one name under heaven. Give him a man whereby we must be saved. And what's his name? Jesus Christ. 
And he is reading that. And he goes on to say, this has been fulfilled in verse 21. And he had begun to say to them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And it's still a fulfillment today. Jesus was appointed. He was anointed to preach the gospel. Now I'm going to go ahead and tell you that we, come, we go through elections, presidential elections. People that have local offices and, and, and federal offices, all these elections. There's a lot of promises made. Are you with me? There's a lot of promises. That I'm the person to get this done. I'm the person to get that done. So, you know, cast me your vote. And then what happens? Many times, they don't follow through. I'm not saying all of them do that, but that we know it's happened many times. Our nation's in the state that it's in because of false promises. That's as political as I'm going to get. We're not here to talk about politics. But I, I want you to see that Jesus was anointed to preach a message. And it was the gospel. And it breaks my heart to watch people swallowing messages that, that carries this banner that here is the answer to your, your problem. Here, you know this void that you have in your life? Well, I'll tell you what, you can fill that void through, through a substance. You can fill that void through a bigger home. You can fill that void by religion. You can fill that void through X, Y, and Z. I mean, the list is longer than I can stretch about the messages out there. You're, if you just, you just get, get married again, or you take this or take that, or re, all the, hey, listen, this message, it is an effective message if you will submit to it. And dear friend, I have watched people, I have talked to people, I have counseled people that are at their end of all these other messages. Why? Because those messages do not bring you to the end that your soul needs. You need life. And there's nothing under heaven, no one under heaven that has a message other than the message of the gospel that can bring you from death to life. From darkness to light. Jesus was appointed and anointed to preach the gospel. And it was an effective message. And what do you mean when you say effective? What I mean is this, is that the gospel message was a message of light. And where you take light... It reveals the darkness. And growing up, there was a time the gospel came to my life and my understanding of it. And it was effective in saying this. It revealed my need of a Savior. It showed me my deadness. It showed me my sickness. It showed me my darkness. And that any other way is going to leave me stranded. But if I will repent and believe on Christ... That I will be given new life. I will be born again. I will be what the Bible says regenerated. I will be right with God. I will not be on the wrathful side of God any longer. But I will be on the redeeming side of grace. All through the gospel message. Jesus' task was not to lead them out of Roman control. Jesus' task was to lead them out from under the control of the world and sin and their depravity. That's why Jesus came. If all you die with is a land that is free, you've died a sinner in the eyes of God. But I live in the land of the free, 
but as a soul that's been made free. Amen? And so when I die in Christ, I do, I die in Christ, I die free. Amen? Jesus is qualified. But I want to get a little more excited. Look a little bit further. We see Jesus' audience. Jesus' audience. And I love this. Notice, notice who he's going to in verse 18. It says that he came to preach the gospel to who? The poor. The poor. And, and, and first and foremost, when I look at this word poor, and I, and I look this word up, I want you to understand what this word means. The word poor is defined as such pertaining to being thrust on divine resources, spiritually oppressed and disillusioned. In other words, they need God's help desperately. I get hung up on that when it said pertaining to someone that needs to be thrusted upon the resources of God. And that covers it all. First and foremost, the resource of grace. And I'm telling you once again, the only person that I, I, I encourage you and I cry out to you today that to thrust yourself upon is Christ. Believe on Him. Confess Him as Savior and Lord. Communicate that to God from a believing heart. I mean, I'm talking about in your heart, in your spirit, just plunging your face at His feet. That's where you must get to. That's the people that Jesus came to preach to. You're going to find he goes on in this passage. A lot of God, people got mad at him. They wanted to kill him. And of course they didn't. It wasn't his time yet. But he gave them some examples about There were many uh, that were going through famine. But we, God just sent the prophet to this one house. This Gentile woman. And there was another uh, example of that. Those needing a physician. They got mad about that. That uh, they went to the Gentiles in those examples. And what you find here is that Jesus has given this beautiful picture that every one of us, Jew or Gentile, we are poor spiritually without Jesus Christ. We are bankrupt. We have no cent in our spiritual bank account. We have nothing. All we have is rags. But Jesus has grace to clothe us with. The poor and spiritually, even the poor in the world... And, and let me just say this, if Jesus can supply and provide in so many ways to his children, right? He can feed you, clothe you, help you, heal you. He can do a lot of those things. And from some of you, he has done those very things. I praise God for that. But listen to me very closely. If that's all you have come for to Jesus, you have missed the point of Jesus. He has come to preach the gospel. Any other grace that he gives me as his child is an extra that he gives me. Puts food in my belly, clothes on my back, health for the day. But I'm telling you today, Jesus came to be the Savior. He came to the meek and the humble. As you read, he says, the poor. The poor. He says, you sent me to heal the broken hearted. And I truly believe here today that there are people that hearts are broke in a lot of different ways. But before we can get to the healing of broken hardness of a marriage that dissolved our family that's going through turmoil or whatever has broken your heart, listen, we must first come to being broken hearted over our sin. Oh, 
over the fact that if I died in the state of unbelief, I'm going to hell. We must reach that point of broken hardness. God can heal any broken heart today. I don't care who or what has broken it. God can heal it. But before all those graces actually gets deposited into your life, you need to be healed. Your soul needs to be healed first. If we're going to come to the physician of the soul, we must be broken hearted that our soul needs a physician. Amen? Weeping as such. Broken hearted. Sorrowful. Those that are sorrowful for sin. Those that are in this state, listen to me, are more likely to welcome the grace of God than reject it. What does the Bible say? That it's easier for the camel to go through the eye of an ear than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, right? There is humility. There is a need. There is brokenness that must be in you before you'll ever receive the grace of Christ. Christ came preaching the gospel to the poor, the brokenhearted. He came, as you'll find, um, this message of deliverance to the captives. And I'm trying to quickly go through this verse, but I want you to see that what does it mean by captives? What is it talking about? Dear friend, there was a time in my life, I'm thankful I'm no longer there, but the truth came to me that I was in bondage. I was captivated by my sin. I was in bondage. I was in prison. This gospel that Christ has for us today is a unique liberty other than any other liberty you can, you can give. There is no mere man that can give you this kind of liberty. No one, president, lawmaker, soldier, it doesn't matter. I can't give you this liberty. But Jesus can. This liberty is sort of like the feeling, maybe like the feeling like the, the Israelites had when they left Egypt. That liberating feeling, that oppression. It could be also maybe this feeling of someone coming out of prison. No longer in shackles anymore. But I want you to understand, this gospel liberty far exceeds the feeling the Israelites had when they left Egypt. Far exceeds the feeling someone that comes out of prison as a free man or woman. We're talking about, we're talking about coming out from under the wrath, the future wrath of God. We're talking about being liberated from a future eternity in hell. That's the liberation that we're talking about. It far exceeds anything else. The soul's bondage, listen to me. The soul's bondage is the worst bondage you can be in today. You can be landlocked between terrible neighbors. That's nothing compared to the bondage your soul's in. You could be at the verge of bankruptcy and you feel in bondage, financial bondage. Folks, that's nothing compared to the bondage that your soul is in today. Your, your family may be falling apart or your job may be falling apart and you're just feeling bondage and shackled. Folks, listen to me. It's far worse than that feeling. I want you to understand what it means to be the captive. And Jesus came to the captives. I was a captive of sin 22 years ago. That's when my, cap my captivity ended. It ended, and I've been free ever since because my Savior lives for me. The captives, now listen, 
The captives must be willing to fully surrender a depending trust on Christ alone. Savior and Lord. Turning to Christ as Savior and Lord. Notice this as well. Here's, here's another description of who you are without Christ. And dear, dear, dear uh, believer, this is who you used to be. You used to be a captive. Now notice what he says. And recovering of what? Sight to who? The blind. Covering of sight to the blind and set at liberty them that are bruised. Folks, I, I, I'm humble. You know, I remember being so humble to the fact that there was a Savior wanting to release me from bondage. But before I, under even, I understood the bondage that I was in, I, my eyes had to be open to that reality. I didn't look for it. I did not desire it. My, my eyes, my spiritual eyes were as dead as my spiritual heart was dead to the things of God. Christ had to come with the gospel to turn the light on for me to see who I needed. I'm telling you, that's how big grace is. If we're going to see our need, the gospel must be preached. Must be preached. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God, specifically the gospel. The gospel is the light switch that opens your eyes to see your deadness and your need of Christ. And sadly, some are so hard-hearted that they will even reject what the light shows. Can I tell you something? That's the worst decision you'll ever make. Christ will never show you a lie. He will never stretch the truth, but He will always tell you the truth. And the Bible says the truth will set you free. Specifically, it's not that knowledge sets you free, but Jesus and who He is, His person, the truth about Him, His person sets you free. Dear friend, I'm excited. This passage here deals with this year of jubilee. So it's in that time where you'll find that um, um, debtors... You know, uh, mortgages and their lands would be freedom in, in those areas of life, right? This year of Jubilee. Um, Jesus was trumpeting the trumpet of Jubilee for the soul here. Freedom. Eternal freedom. And this is, this is a, a great, great blessing. Do You look at Matthew 4.16. The people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. I'm giving you a message that I hope to God that you don't just leave with an academic knowledge of. You can understand it all day long to your grave and still die in sins, deadness, and blindness. It has to go from an academic to a dependence. That's the difference of truly knowing Jesus. The devil believes and trembles. He knows. But he cannot believe. You, my friend, believe on Christ. Depend on Christ. He's illuminating your eyes today to see. But your heart must receive. Psalm 107 and verse 10. Such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Being bound in affliction and iron. That's who you are without Christ. You're in bondage and you're blind. But Christ comes with the gospel to open your eyes to the bondage that you're in. Not only does he give you the message, but it's the message by himself. And he does the work. He does the work and has done the work. He will save you 
when you trust Him. In essence, the gospel, Christ Himself, the message of the gospel as it's presented is almost like an eye salve. Anybody ever done any welding? Burn your eyes? If you burn them, burn them bad enough, you go put some eye salve on, right? And uh, the gospel, maybe in one sense, is some eye salve to clear your eyes up and let you see clearly what's going on with your soul. But in verse 19, which is, which is an exciting thing here, he says, to, let's say verse 19 together, and we're going, we're going to be done. Ready to begin. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He shut the book. He handed it back to the minister, and then he said, This has been fulfilled in your ears. It's an acceptable time for your soul to be born again. Can I tell you what? Today is the day of salvation. Today is a day for captives to be set free. Today is a day for the blind to see Christ and their sin clearly. Folks, I'm telling you, God is good. The goodness of God leadeth man to what? Repentance. Jesus is qualified and we see that the qualified Jesus comes to the poor, the brokenhearted, the ones at the end of their rope, the ones that are captive and blind. Psalm 89, verse 15, last verse I want to give you. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. You have heard a joyful sound today, and it is the message of liberty. The person of Christ and his gospel work. Jesus was born, he lived perfectly, he conquered sin perfectly. We see in chapter 4, not even Satan could derail the mission of Christ for the poor, the brokenhearted, the shattered life, the despaired soul. No one could derail the Savior living for the will of the Father. The purpose, my, the sole purpose of God was a purpose for your soul. And his name is Jesus. And he went to the cross. And he died willingly. He was buried. He rose again. And he lives today for you. He was born so you could be born again. He lived so you could actually experience life. He died so you could die to sin. He resurrected so you could be resurrected to life. He ascended so one day, dear friend, we could ascend and be with him. He's coming back so he's coming back so we can go be with him. Folks, I'm telling you, Jesus is for you. But listen to me. He's the only one for you. Turn every other message away. No matter who rings your doorbell, knocks on your door, turn those messages. Folks, if it's not the gospel of Jesus alone, by faith alone, turning away, turn it away. Because it is a message not anointed by God. I want to leave you with just a thought, just, just a closing statement. You may ask the question, how do I know that I have assurance of this gospel freedom? How do I know I have gospel freedom? Do you remember a time where you have confessed from your heart, a depending, believing faith on Christ alone, by faith alone. Are you someone that, can truly, that continually is led 
to real repentance in your life throughout the day? Is that happening? Are you being led to a lively faith and service to Jesus throughout your day? Is that happening through the Spirit? Is there that interaction in your life? Do you have an inner drive to resist sin and the devil and live for Jesus? I'm not saying you live perfectly, but is there a zeal to live for Jesus? Are those things going on in your life? If they're not, dear friend, the Spirit does not live in you. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And where the Spirit is, He's working. And you know where the Spirit works. Amen? Are you born again? Have you been liberated by Jesus? I have. And I know that I have. I want us to stand to our feet. Every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. Can Jesus free me?